Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. In this episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Elizabeth Ramos. And as I have indicated on previous podcasts, the people that I seem to attract on the podcast seem to be very well educated uh, and very well versed and have a lot of wisdom. Liz fits that mold to a T. And I'm going to um, boast up Liz a little bit here in regards to her formal education. She has a master's of science in management and leadership. She also has an MBA, and she is also a certified master financial coach. All that being said, she is a real life person that has come from some humble beginnings in regards to you know where she has come with finances, and she's traveled the journey like many other folks experiencing debt, uh, hardship. She was a single mother and she's reached the other side in regards to, you know, being successful. And she is now kind of dedicated the next steps in her career to being a financial coach. And I'm going to let her kind of go into some details, but I've known Liz for probably three, four years. Is that right, Liz? About four years. So it's been a very, very, um, yeah, about four years, I'd say a a pleasure on my part to get to know Liz and, uh, you know, her family, you know, especially her husband, who's a riot. So I'm going to let you kind of take it. Um, Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I want to highlight what you do and the good that you do. Okay. Hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here and to share um, a little bit about me. So I came from, like you said, a humble beginning. I have always hated math, which I think is is very ironic. Uh, Math was always my weakest subject in school. But you're very good at math now. (laughs) (laughs) But I've always been drawn to numbers. Um, So at a very young age, uh, thinking back, I think I was around eight years old when I did my first budget which I know people are like, how could you? You're so young. How did you even know? Well, obviously at eight years old, you don't know that you're doing a budget. Sure. But what I was doing is um, taking all of the money I was getting from allowances or birthdays or anything I was getting like that, and I was sticking back then uh, into either a piggy bank or my little pocket in my mattress, and that would be my savings account. And um, I have four older brothers, so they knew I always had a stash of money. So they'd be like, oh, can I have a loan? Can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? I had already allocated for the year for every occasion, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Birthday, Christmas, what amount or what portion of my savings is going to be allocated to each one of those things. So I was very, very um, strict in terms of my spending habits, even at a young age. Uh, uh, Having said that, As I got older, uh, one of the things that I experienced in life, like many other people out there, is I got married very young, and I ended up uh, in a divorce. Uh, My son was relatively young. He was under three years old, 
um, I decided to wipe the slate clean and have a brand new start. So I jetted to a brand new state. I left New York for Florida. Um, and with that, I wanted to give my son a brand new life and a lot of different things. Can I just interject real quick, Liz? So in New York, when you got divorced, I think there's a, a turning point that probably happened yeah. in your life financially. Oh, yeah. Um, can you just touch on that as well? Well, I was not financially secure, but I had just secured a really good job. Um, I was working at American Express, and I saw that to be the turning point for something good in my life. So that kind of empowered me to say, okay, it's time to make that move, try to buy a house, try to give my son that puppy he wanted, all those different things that I wasn't able to do in New York, and also just get away from the negative situation that I was in for the last few years. So well, I was not in debt at that point in time. I was kind of uh, just neutral in a neutral place. But once I came to Florida and I started wanting to start my life new, uh, that's when I actually encountered debt. And I got myself into a lot of debt, $300,000 worth of debt. Wow. Um, yes, <laughs> on a very, very single mother income and trying to uh, want to do everything at the same time for this little boy because I thought, you know, as much as I was very strict in, in, in disciplining myself in terms of my money and my finances, I was like, okay, got a great job. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to pay it back. You know, that the mentality that we have, we want everything now. Sure. Um, my, my son's going to have everything that I wasn't able to give him before or I didn't have. So I went ahead and, and, and in about seven years, um, had about 300,000 in debt. And that didn't include my mortgage. That was just everything else. So at this point in time, I spiraled into, I would say a very dark place. I was consumed with just regret, just loneliness, just shame. Um, and I was thinking like, how am I gonna ever get out of here? How am I gonna face my son? How am I gonna be able to give him that life that I wanted? Um, eventually I had to just stop looking for excuses. I just dusted myself off the ground, picked myself up and said, you know what, it's just time for you to just make a change. I just went on and started looking and, and uh, on the internet, start researching, reading books and start putting together plans for myself. Every little thing that I learned, I put into uh, my little goals and my little plan. I started creating budgets. Uh, that were on paper at this time, that were using Excel or Access, so different tools. And then the most important thing was just holding myself accountable. I, you know, I started making really hard goals. I'm not going to spend, or this is going to be what I'm going to spend this month or this week. Um, and slowly after, uh, after I would say another seven years, I was able to dig myself out of that debt. So I'm happy to say where I am now, that 300,000 debt has been completely paid out. And I'm actually, my husband and I are um, on a two-year uh, plan to be completely debt-free. Well, congratulations. That's tremendous. Yeah, That's a long you. journey. I want to touch on a couple of things that kind of stood out to me. So from an early age, you have been uh, good innately uh, with money. And a lot of people can't necessarily say that they are good uh, with money kind of from childhood. And then you said that life happens. So you go from basically you as an individual being very, very good with money, all of a sudden you have this other person you have to care for, your son, 
and you want to give them the world and do things uh, for them that you may not have experienced because you can have the ability to do that. But what it did um, in terms of that, it kind of let your guard down and it let you exceed your boundaries, so to speak. All in good nature for your son and for the benefit. But then on the other end of that, you experienced in what I would consider um, some grief in regards to the spending habits and the spending patterns and the regret that you had spoken about. So you finally reached a, I would say, a pinnacle where you realized that this was kind of out of control and you needed to fix it. And what I've seen is that most people aren't able to realize when it gets out of control or to put those boundaries back into place. And you have the ability, again, you're a brilliant lady and you have the ability to do that. You have a strong mind to be able to do that. A lot of other people aren't able to do that. And they just kind of continue to spiral or they just ignore it and kind of hope it goes away. And you now have gone through that experience and uh, realized it and now are on the other side. And now you can coach people uh, to you know better themselves or kind of see the light. Um, Am I correct then kind of that journey for you is about 14 years? Is that right from the beginning to when you finally realized that you were kind of out of the debt? Yes, that's right. It took me seven years to accumulate that huge mountain of debt and it took me another seven years to get out of it. So that 14 years. Okay, that's a long time. Yes, <laughs> it's a long time, it is. You don't really think about it while you're doing it. You know, you're like, oh, it's seven years. You start making excuses without really rationalizing, you know, you know your actions. You start thinking, no, I'm going to pay it off. I have a really good job. You know, it, it's bringing my child pleasure and he's happy. And you start uh, putting buffers in there, right, and blinders on because you're, you're, you're always thinking the next paycheck, I'm going to pay a big chunk of it off and I'm not going to anymore and then you want to take that child on a vacation or you see this other thing that you think will be great for them or this kind of uh, you know lifestyle um, and it's, it quickly adds up so even though 14 years seems like it's a really long time it goes by so fast and before you know that amount can really swallow you it can be you know depending on everyone's got different situations even a ten thousand dollar amount if you can't afford it will feel like a mountain on your shoulders Sure. Yeah, without a doubt. And what I know of you now, so if you were your coach back then, I'm sure you would have shortened that time frame um, dramatically. And that's what you're able to do for folks now is you're able to take your experience, your personal experience, your professional uh, education, which is there's a lot of it, and um, really help people in a really, really good way. So um, I'm going to ask you, you take that experience, you take the fact that you're a certified master financial coach. Now, how do you turn that into concrete steps and how do you actually help people? So the first thing I, I want to do, and, and if I can just take one step back, it, it sure. should be that seven years because I was doing by myself. I didn't know that there was someone out there that could help me. So as I was building, putting together building blocks for myself, uh, you know, I was un uncovering different things and different avenues and different uh, services that I can, you know, implement myself to help my situation. What I can do today is take that whole wealth of information and, and, and break it down into very, very specific and strategic action steps. So the first thing I would do is have a complimentary consultation. Um, I really want to get to know who who is this person, right? Before you even, you don't want to look at someone 
based on their situation. I want to get to know who you are. Who is Chris? You know, before he got into this, this situation. The next step is to understanding how they got into this, this situation. And the third part of that of that consultation is, okay, are we a good fit for one another, right? I want that person to feel comfortable and be able to be themselves and be transparent with me. And I want, I want them to be able to trust me and be able to open up. Because if you can't build that rapport, then there's no sense working with a person if they're always going to feel like they can't come and be transparent. So that's what that consultation part of it is is just to kind of assess that, make sure that person's comfortable, the client is comfortable, I'm comfortable, it's a really good fit. And then from there on, what I would do is then put together um, um, a schedule and start putting some tactical efforts in there and say, okay, this is the schedule that I'm seeing based on your unique situation. I'm thinking we're going to be meeting for this amount of time right off the door. And then after that, the third step to this process would be we would kick off the planning and development stage is when we actually put an action plan together to take um, that person from point A to point B, from where they are now to where they want to be. And then we we continuously work on that process and that on, on those tangible efforts to make sure that we're making progress. There's things that we're always going to be fine tuning through the process, making sure it's working. If something's not working, well, we can fine tune and make sure that we're looking at alternatives. So that's kind of in a nutshell um, the 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 plan that I have in store to get someone from point A to point B and make sure that they're making tangible. Um, and um, relatable, I guess, uh, progress on what on, on what their life looks now versus what's going to look maybe three months from now. So I like to paraphrase because uh, I'm not as smart as you are, and so I want to make sure that I've got it. And so, and I, I paraphrase it in three steps. And I'm probably going to add a fourth step. So um, the first step is really you're getting to know the person, but you're figuring out their money habits. Um, and figuring out kind of where they came from and what has kind of put them into this situation and in the life. And I liken that to you. You had very good money habits. Maybe you encounter someone that has very poor money habits, but it's important for you to understand that up front so you can um, further develop that relationship and see if it's going to be a good fit for you. Because uh, a good fit for you know me and my practice would not necessarily be someone that has extremely poor money habits, no matter uh, what advice that I give them. And then the second step, uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is accountability. You are making this individual and they're allowing themselves to be held accountable. And then the third step is you are putting together concrete action plans to get them from, like you said, point A to point B. And then the fourth step, Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a step, but it's kind of all encompassing. You're giving these individuals a vision of how life can be after they get out of debt. Is that a good kind of uh, synopsis of what you described? It is. It's a very good um, depiction of the process. Okay. So I wanted to, um, you know, give you a little bit more airplay, so to speak, and talk about kind of some of the feelings that were associated. You just touched on it, but I think it's very important to touch on the feelings that someone has when they're they're developing the bad money habits 
and or they're accumulating debt and then they realize that this is an accumulation of things that have happened over time and then you know you get involved in how the feeling uh changes they've kind of realized that there's a light just kind of go into some of that information if you will so while you're spending money, it's, I mean, you can have an adrenaline rush because you're not really thinking. You're just thinking of the things you're, you're, you're getting out of it, whether it's, you know, it's memories or it's, um, you know, it's actually uh, physical uh, um, items. You're just kind of going through the adrenaline rush. So you're not really thinking of the consequences. So at that point in time, when you're spending the money, you might have a little bit of concern or kind of like, ah, oh, guilt, I shouldn't be spending this. I, you know, this is bad, I should stop. But you're letting your your desire for this type of lifestyle is overtaking uh, the guilt or any kind of reluctance that you have or resistance. So you continue that, that behavior until it get, kind of gets you into a place that's not happy anymore. So now, for instance, if you're in a, in a, a family and you have a spouse, there's things that you can't do. Maybe you can't pay the mortgage. Maybe you can't pay the rent. Uh, you're missing car payments. Uh, the credit card is, is turned off because you're not paying your bills on time. The creditors are, you know, blowing up your phone. Your wife can't go shopping in peace because there's no money. Um, you know, now she's ending up window shopping versus actually going for, for, for items. And as you start to get um, a strain on your relationship. Uh, your kids uh, are hearing the fighting that's going on between mom and dad or, you know, or whatever your situation is. And it, it's causing a real strain in, in, the, in the household. Now you, as that person that maybe um, is, the, is, the, is the core, uh, you know, a contributor to this, to this situation, you're starting to feel you start to feel angry with yourself, but you're also angry at these people that are around you. So your spouse, oh, you're angry at me and you start that yelling. So there's resentment, there's anger, there is uh, shame, there is loneliness, right? Because you feel like no one understands. You have no one to speak to. No one's going to understand your situation. Yes, you made a mistake, but who can I tell? Like I made this mistake over a long period of time and I didn't stop myself. I should have known better. So you start going through all of those feelings of it ends up being despair. It starts affecting your health. And I think a lot of people don't really realize the effects that this type of stuff has, not just on your day to day life, but your mental, emotional state of mind. You cannot go to work focusing. You cannot be the kind of parent that you need to be, you know, the employee, the brother, the sister, the friend that you are accustomed to being just because now you're consumed with, like you said, a, a level of grief, grief because of the life that you once had versus the life that you have now. So there's all those feelings of sadness. And, um, and some people just end up being isolated because they feel like that's the best place for them to be. It's less complicated for me to kind of just, you know, withdraw into my own little world versus dealing with that situation. Um, what I want to do is offer hope. I want to be able to inject hope in them and let them know they're not alone. You know, I went through all of the same feelings. Um, I want to reach my hand and say, if you're ready to reach back, we can work on this together. There is hope. And once I take people through this, this journey of mine, uh, this program, if you will, um, they start to 
feel some of that weight on their shoulders lift. They start to believe that, oh my God, they might be real hope. Um, I can probably salvage my marriage. Um, I actually have an extra $20 left this month that, you know, I can maybe take my wife to date nights for a movie. It's the little things that start to build and start to become bigger things, right? So um, the first thing is, is just showing them that don't give up. If you're ready to be committed to this effort, there I can definitely help you pull you out of that darkness that you're in. And together we can get you on the other side of this and you can take control of your life again. And once they go through that, they're able to smile again. They're able to engage uh, in their whole uh, authentic selves. Right? They don't have to hide behind the darkness or, or, or isolate themselves. They're able to start feeling joy, start being able to embrace the world, start envisioning what their life can be. I can start taking that vacation again. I can you know, become a homeowner again. I can get that car that I want. I can pay for my kids' uh, college. Those things start becoming more of a reality versus a distant uh, past you know, memory that they had. So I want you to tell us who your ideal person that you would work with. And I'm going to give some um, very distinct qualities. And so folks that know me were, know that I am a certified financial planner. And basically, I have a client that is in grief, and I take him through the whole gamut of finances. And Liz is basically the person, if you were in debt, uh, you would come to to help get out of debt in advance of that process. And so I want you to just, you know, quickly tell us what your ideal um, individual or situation is that you would work with. So my ideal client would be someone, like you said, that is in debt. I don't care how they got to that debt, as long as they're willing to move past it, they're willing to form a commitment and a partnership to move forward. So that person uh, would be, they would have a, a, a job, they would uh, be able to get support and, and have the willingness to just move past this. So that person can have, you know, $5,000 of debt or they can have $100,000 of debt. It really doesn't matter as long as they're willing to admit that they are ready to get off the floor, they're ready to move on, and they're ready to be open to feedback and they're willing to be a participant in this journey. If they're, that's all I'm asking for. I want someone that is, uh, you know, I don't care if COVID knocked you down and you lost your job and therefore you're in a lot of debt because you had to take loans from family members. I want to get you back into a healthy place. It could be a person that was a gambler. And now that, you know, they're not a gambler anymore, they, they saw the light and they want to clean up their act and they want to get back into a different, you know, into a healthy state of, of their finances. It could be um, a single person that just got, is overwhelmed by student, student uh, loans. It could be someone that lost their homes but want to rebuild their credit. It could be someone that just, you know, has a little bit of savings but they want more savings in terms of understanding a good path I can save a little bit, but I know I can squeeze a little bit more out there. What are some other things I can do to help to build my nest egg? My nest egg being my savings. So I want to I want to get a college fund for my for my kids. I want to plan for that big house. I want to plan for uh, for a new vehicle. 
what are the things I can do? How can I get those, um, those, those, how can I realize those objectives? I help those people go from where they are today to the next step of their journey that they want out of life. And Chris, the way that I would do it, I would be that step that would prep people to get their finances to a good place, to a healthy state of mind. When they're at a really good place now, the next step is, okay, now I want to build wealth. I want to build a retirement fund. I want to go into stocks and bonds, and I want to look into a larger, into when I'm 60 or 55, I want to retire. That's at that point in time is when I would say, okay, now it's time for you to work with, let's say, Chris, uh, Chris Dale. And he would take that step and help to take what they currently have in their savings account, in their 401ks or whatever they have, and then take it to that next step. That's perfect. I think you did a great job explaining exactly what you do and who you help and kind of how you help them. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you to tell us how we can reach you specifically on your website. So it is uh, Elizabeth Ramos. So the traditional spelling of Elizabeth Ramos, R-A-M-O-S dot coach. That is my um, my website. All right, so in the description um, for this podcast, I will put Liz's email address as well. I will also list again her website address uh, so you can be sure to contact her. Liz, thank you very much for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. It was a pleasure, and I hope I didn't bite you. I hope I didn't scare you too much. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Chris. This was a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate you having me on, and um, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate you. And for any and all the listeners out there, please feel free to pass this podcast on this episode to any friends, family members, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers and be well. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to Life After Grief FP. That is Life After Grief FP. The FP is for financial planning.com. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section. And as always, please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.